Welcome to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. Are you ready to dive into the most critical issues impacting language and localization today? Globally Speaking is designed to educate, inform, and challenge everyone who is engaged in global communications. Your hosts for Globally Speaking are Renato Beninato and Michael Stevens. Learn more by visiting our website at www.globallyspeakingradio.com. And now, here are Michael and Renato. Hi, I'm Michael Stevens, and today on Globally Speaking, we're starting our three-part series on transcription. This is an area where many of the projects that eventually translators work on starts. We have to get the ideas into text in order to get it localized. And while it's at the very beginning of the process of everything we do, this is our first time covering it on the show. We did a three-part series because we're starting looking at the traditional methodologies of transcription, how people do it and the work they do and the benefits that they bring to their clients. What we were led down is a path of where all of this is going and how is voice going to be used in our process in the future. So we get to catch up with some really great technologists as well in this discussion. So I hope you guys will stick around for all three parts of the series. I'll let our guest introduce herself now. My name is Jamie Hartz. I am a freelance translator. I do Spanish to English translation, mostly of commercial and legal documents, and uh, I'm interested in getting into the logistics translation field as well. I mean, I do a lot of transcription work, and that's what we're here to talk about today. This is our first time on the podcast talking about transcription. So, Jamie, what's the basic definition of transcription? Transcription is taking an audio or video file and converting it to text. So creating a transcript of that audio in the spoken language. Which is a very different skill than what they do in courtrooms. It's very different than things like subtitling or stenography or even closed captioning. It's a completely different field, a different practice. What type of audios and videos are you usually transcribing? I get a lot of different types of transcription. Usually they're audio files. I don't get a whole lot of videos. So usually it's like an MP3, WMA, or, or wave recording. A lot of them are law enforcement, public relations, like press conferences, and human resources also. So a lot of the types of industries that come to the translation companies for translation work will also come to us for transcription work. Because you're a translator and you do English-Spanish, are you getting more of your transcription work in Spanish or in English? It's actually a pretty good mix of, of both monolingual and bilingual. So for law enforcement, a lot of times I get both Spanish and English because you'll have, for example, a police officer who speaks only English and you've got a witness or a victim or a suspect who speaks only Spanish and then you've got another person interpreting for them. That type of situation will usually come to me in both Spanish and English. And a lot of times what they're looking for is a transcription and then a translation of all of the Spanish text into English. But for example, with human resources or with public relations, usually I'll just get English audio recordings and they want basically a clean English transcript for them to use either to give out to their journalists or for them to have on record in case someone ever, you know, brings up issues with whatever had been recorded, whatever interview it was. So it's, it's a mix of both Spanish and English and a combination of the two. 
this is one of those areas of technology where automation has really had a huge advance and you have uh, speech to text uh, recognition one of the first use cases tends to be transcription but i think that you just described one of those cases where technology might not be very friendly it's the fact that you're dealing with bilingual content while you as a human have no trouble switching from one language to the other, maybe technology would take longer. Have you encountered any opportunities where your service is favored over the, the automated services that are available in the market? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's something I've thought about ever since I started transcribing because, you know, I have this phone that I keep in my pocket that I press a button and I say, hey, Google, navigate me somewhere. Or, you know, I ask it to look something up. And it knows what I'm saying. So in theory, shouldn't transcription be able to be outdone by a machine? And you've definitely hit on one major aspect of why that's not the case. And it's the fact that humans can code switch. Humans can discern one language from another much better than I think a machine can. But another is the same story we're seeing with translation, where we have machines that can do translation. And people will ask, can't they just replace the humans? And the answer is yes, but humans can do it better. And a lot of times, if you start with a machine transcription, what you get is very garbled. What you get is kind of nonsense, and it has to be cleaned up by a human anyway. And so it's almost better in that case to just clean it up by redoing it in the first place. I think this is a funny example of, of how voice-to-text doesn't always work right. So I have an Android phone. And in my in my contact list, I have my parents' landline listed as Mikasa, my house. And I used to be able to say, hey, Google, call Mikasa when I wanted to call my parents' house. And it would dial them and I wouldn't have to touch the phone and it would be hands-free and it worked fine. That was voice-to-text that was very functional. The phone's getting smarter and smarter <laughs> and it's working less and less because now, as I think, you know, AI has come in and started to try to learn what I want better. You know, I would say, okay, Google, call my call me Casa. And it would say, okay, calling Michigan Casa. Ah, so it's the abbreviation for Michigan. Right. It was still calling the right phone number, but it was responding with something it thought was smarter and it was really more stupid. Mm -hmm. And then even more recently, I would say, okay, Google, call me Casa. And it would say, okay, you want me to call you Casa? Because I said, call me Casa. Call me this. And so they're getting smarter and smarter, and they're understanding us less and less. My son has played some jokes with me, and uh, he changed the the phone to call me Darth Vader. So I would say, hey, Siri, and yes, Darth Vader, or something like that. Great. So it's sort of an advancement you're seeing in the technology in front of our eyes as, yes, it's gotten smarter, but it's complicated things more. So there'll need to be another leap before it's as, as usable as we would like it. Do you use these technologies to accelerate your productivity? Amazon web-based transcription software will do stuff in a fraction of the time that a human would do in 13 languages. Do you use technologies available in the market commercially to accelerate your your process? Is post-editing of transcription an activity that uh, you're developing? That's a good question. Yes, I use it, but only to the extent that it makes me more efficient. There are certain softwares that will, 
you know, you drop in the audio file and it will spit out for you a transcription. But in order for that to actually be more efficient, it has to be a single speaker audio file that's only in English and he's speaking really clearly and there's no background noise and there's not interruptions in the audio. Whereas for these law enforcement transcriptions where there's three people talking at the same time and they are speaking in two different languages, that would never be more efficient. I, I would say at least at the point that the technology is now because it, you need to be able to separate out who is speaking at what time. You need to be able to separate out what language they're speaking, discern what is going on in the background. One of the things that I'll transcribe kind of often is DUI interviews someone gets pulled over yeah does that mean yeah. you're fluent and drunk i i, I am oh, wow. Drunk. Wow. So, <laughs> so, so yeah the, the cop is wearing a body camera the suspect is you know pretty audibly drunk and they are on the side of the road usually with cars flying by and people walking by and there's a million different sounds in the background and so to be able to distinguish a voice that's right next to me, you know, right, right next to the body camera from a voice that is a hundred feet away is something that I think a machine would really struggle to do, but I can do it because I can hear how loud they are and, you know, in what distance they would be from the camera or from the recording device. There are a lot of things right out of the gate that you're able to process more quickly than a machine mm -hmm. and whether yeah. a machine can be trained on that is still to be determined. You mentioned recently a couple instances where you've been able to hear about the results or impact of the work you've done. Are you able to share those stories with our audience? But one of the most meaningful projects I think I've ever done uh, was about two years ago. I received an audio file to transcribe, bilingual audio file. There was a bilingual detective interviewing an alleged victim. And he was actually a child victim of sexual assault. And he was very young. I was able to listen to how the detective had such skill at going back and forth between the two languages, recognizing that this child was uncomfortable, making him feel more comfortable, establishing a basis for him to be credible in court and for the DA. So the, the bilingual detective was interviewing this child about his uh, experience and what had happened to him. And I, you know, was like emotionally moved by it because it was it was basically like law and order SVU, but real life. So it's, you know, maybe an hour long interview and it took me, I don't even know how long to transcribe and translate. And then I turn it in and you don't really hear anything. You don't expect to hear anything. Right. But just a few weeks ago, I got another project, a translation to do from the same client and realized pretty quickly that it was related to that same case because that kind of thing really sticks in your mind. You know, I was not going to forget those names in that situation. Um, and it was a letter from the mother of that victim to the court. She was thanking the court for everything that they and the district attorney and the police had done for her child and how that situation had changed their lives. They had brought her so much peace to know that justice had come to their family and basically this criminal had been convicted and put in jail. But that was really rewarding for me to A, be able to see some closure for such an alarming situation and also B, to be able to see that I had played a role in it, which is something that you don't really expect to do as a translator sitting in your home office. You don't feel like you impact anyone. And so to see that I had played a, a very small role in 
that situation and bringing someone to justice was a really cool situation. That's it, very interesting because you, you had the opportunity to go full circle and understand exactly uh, the consequences and the impact of your work. I've heard uh, stories of interpreters that are helping victims in dangerous situations, 911 situations, and the they, call drops and they don't know what it is, they don't know what happened, and they get left completely out. unresolved. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah. that's, that's one of the biggest that's, challenges. That's a rather impactful story and situation to be in. But then some of your work is also focused on helping businesses be more successful. So for some of your clients who want to be in RFPs that may not be in the native language of their company, is that that's mm -hmm. work you do as well. That's right. Yeah, that, that particular situation was a translation project where some agency from a Spanish-speaking country's government put out an RFP. They wanted to build some kind of infrastructure, and an American company wanted to submit their information for the RFP. So obviously they needed to know what all the specifications were, what the requirements were, how to apply, who to get in contact with. So they had me and a team of translators translate the RFP. And again, like you don't expect to hear anything back. And then a year later, I get a project to translate and it's the award letter saying you have officially gotten this contract. We'd love to work with you, which is really cool. Because again, I get to see them being successful and, and maybe this is more work for me in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And how disappointing would it be if they wouldn't have been able to read the award letter? They're just like, <laughs> right. oh man, we'll never know. <laughs> or if they just dropped it into Google Translate and were like, oh, we're not sure what this says. Let's right. just ignore it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I'm curious, what uh, automated transcription technologies do you use mm -hmm. and why? Yeah, yeah. I'd love to talk more about that. There's a, a whole range of different technologies. I think it's transcribe.com offers an option for transcribers to basically upload an audio file and it's without a transcription. I'm sure there are more nuanced versions of that. And for the situations I'm working in, I would never want to upload something online and have it be spit out into, you know, the cyberspace. So I don't personally use that. But one of the things I do use is Dragon Naturally Speaking is a voice to text for dictating. So I've used that on occasion there's also some transcription software that people will use, such as Maybe. Express Scribe or Inkscribe. And those are software that basically allow you to stop and start audio more quickly than you would be able to, like, for instance, with your mouse. You're not going to switch from your keyboard to your mouse as quickly as you need to. I use Express Scribe, which uh -huh. allows me to drop the audio file into that software. It reads it and it will allow me to use a foot pedal that I have, which is another great tool for transcribers to start and stop the audio. So while my fingers are moving on my keyboard, they don't have to be distracted by stopping and starting audio. That's done by my feet. I can use multiple appendages to start and stop audio. I guess that's great. In the beginning of my career, I did a lot of transcriptions, but I'm an old person, so it was with cassette tapes. I actually had some of those uh, roll tapes that I used, and, and it was very hard. But one of the key things that I had with the pedal that you connected to your cassette player was that one of the key features of that uh, pedal was that it rewinded the tape 
five seconds. You hit your foot on the pedal and it plays, and then you take it off, it stops, right? It would rewind five seconds because you always lose something. I don't know if it does the same when you're doing yeah. it with software and electronically. Yeah, that's but, funny you say that because yeah. it works the same way. Yeah, okay. it's, I think it jumps so, back three seconds. It's three seconds, there you go. People don't realize how hard it is because sometimes you will spend several minutes trying to understand one word and it's because of the accent it's because of the background noise it's because of two people speaking at the same time and there is one word that kills you and you don't know what that word is and it might be significant to the to the context so i empathize i know how hard that work is and i was asking you about the technology because we transcribe our podcast and we use a human transcriber who has been working with us from the beginning and she's fantastic. Say hi to Val. But uh, I also use in, in my work and in interviews that I, I'm not going to publish. It's not the content that is going to be shared. There are tools like Temi, which is fantastic. You upload a file. It's a one hour con of content. And uh, 10 minutes later, you have the whole our transcribed sent back to you for, I don't know, 10 cents a minute or some, something like that. But the quality, it's just for information only. You cannot use it for uh, publishing content and for using it professionally. I believe that machine translation is the same thing. I mean, machine translation used by a professional translator has a completely different impact on the end result than the one used by the general public who doesn't know the quality of that uh, machine translation. Thank you so much for this. You're very welcome. This is fun. <laughs> for more Globally Speaking information, you can find us on our website, www.globallyspeakingradio.com, on Facebook, and you can follow us also on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you like this episode, please think of one friend who might enjoy it and encourage them to subscribe as well. Thank you for listening to Globally Speaking, sponsored by RWS Moravia and Nimzi Insights. You can subscribe to Globally Speaking on iTunes or any number of podcast portals. Check out our other episodes on globallyspeakingradio.com, where you can find transcripts from every show. We'd like to hear your comments, suggestions, and feedback. So please visit us online at www.globallyspeakingradio.com.